0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Cricket Ultras. I am Arun Sudhaman, and as always, my co-host, Darren Burns. How are you, Darren?
1: I'm marvellous, Arun. Uh, Up here in Beijing today, it's beautiful weather. Uh, Look, where are you? Are you still in the pool in Dubai? Have you spotted (laughs) any more uh, PSL
0: players there? Sadly, I had to drag myself away from the hotel pool. So it is true I did spend some time last week frolicking at the pool in Dubai um, with uh, players from the Lahore Calendars PSL team, um, including various Hirsute Kiwi cricket players, uh, led by Brendan McCullum. BMAC. BMAC, indeed, yes. So... Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to say that it was a, a memorable time for, for all concerned, <laughs> but um, it basically consisted of, of, of me sitting on a lounger, uh, observing them from, from, from a distance. So what did you learn from your observation? I learned many things actually. Um, I learned that uh, Brendan McCullum has a lot of ink.
1: I think we knew that already. Okay. Right. Well, this is going well so far.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, I think what was interesting is, um, and, and I'm not going to take any shots at New Zealanders here for once, but when you see groups of apes, for example, uh, you immediately know who the alpha male is. And you get the same impression, because there were a bunch of, of New Zealand, international New Zealand cricket players. There was Brendan McCullum, there was Mitchell McLennigan, our favourite. Uh, there was, um, is it Anton Devchich? Um, yes. He has a, has a has a tremendous beard. But it was very clear that Brendan McCullum was, was the kind of leader of this group. The, the, you know, everything kind of revolved around him. Uh, they sort of they sort of moved to his beat. <laughs> um, I was kind of just, just figuring out, formulating a plan to approach them to see if I could get them to, to say something for Cricket Ultras, when, uh, when Brendan McCullum stood up and, and they all left. And um, you know, they all kind of moved off with him. So they, they all trooped off.
1: Moved off uh, in their pride. Um, exactly, they, they weren't drinking beer pride. though, were they?
0: Oh no, 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 they were, um, they were drinking water. They were in the pool, they were, you know, some of them were doing some sort of sort of weird pool exercises, <laughs> some, of the, the, some of the Pakistani players were, uh, were uh, do, you know, swimming, uh, I mean, swimming is a loose definition of the term. <laughs> Synchronized swimming. <laughs> well, you know, some strokes that I hadn't seen. Maybe
1: unsynchronized swimming.
0: Yeah, unsynchronized. Um, they didn't have a game that day, I think they played the day after, but actually they haven't done that well, so... I would suggest they should spend less time at the pool, uh, and maybe more time in the nets. Um, more in the nets or at the gym. So, anyway, that was my, my, my big story um, about PSL players. That was riveting. It really was. Let's get let's get down to some real business. Yes, brass tacks. Brass tacks. The big series, which I don't know if it actually will determine who is number one, in a in a formal sense. Um, But it's definitely being viewed as the battle of, I guess, the top two test teams in the world. It starts later today, South Africa versus Australia.
1: The top two? What happened to India?
0: Well, yeah, you're you're right. India is number one, but I think, I don't know, I just feel like South Africa and Australia are, are... you know, on their day are probably better test teams in India. I don't know. This is a controversial...
1: Look, I think outside of the subcontinent, I think you're right. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think India still has to prove it can win outside, right?
1: I mean, it's going to... I'm more excited by about this series than I was about the Ashes for sure. Because I think every time South Africa tours Australia or Australia tours South Africa, there's a real chance that, that either side will win. And they often win in each other's backyards, which is very unusual now for in cricket. So it makes it very exciting.
0: Yeah, it's it's curious, isn't it? And I mean, do you? I suppose the big question is: Do you expect that trend to continue?
1: Look, I, it's it. This is a really tough one to call. Um, it was pretty easy for us to call the South Africa India series, and we called it correctly. We called the Ashes pretty much correctly as everybody else did. This one is tricky. I think it's about who wins the moments on a certain day. Um, and as you've seen before in Australia or brittle, they've been bowled out for. You know, 40-odd last time in, uh, in South Africa. If it's green tops, they will suit South Africa much better than they will suit Australia. Australia are very suspect against seam movement and also very spinning wickets. So I don't know why they would prepare dry pitches. If they prepare dry pitches, that will help Australia more.
0: Now, the first test is at Durban. Yes. Um, today. And, you know, we have to talk about the pitches because it sounds like they have asked for slower pitches. That takes spin. Now I don't know. Um, I don't know if that would necessarily be the case at Durban because Durban traditionally, despite being you know a, a city with a with a large subcontinental population, in a way, Durban has always been a pretty fresh wicket and it hasn't been used much this summer. So the expectation is that there's there's decent grass on the wicket. But it's it's clear that the South African think tank, the South African team, has asked for spinning wickets, or slower wickets anyway. And I don't really understand that, because it puts a lot of pressure on, on Maharaj, you would think, and he has a very good record, he's got a good average, but he's not even the best spinner in this series.
1: Look, I, I think yesterday, if we looked at the, um, the pitch, it looked a, t- a tad green, and I think, you know, there was a lot of bravado, I think the day before, when Steve Smith actually announced the team very early so he's already showed his hand. He's going with the exact same team that played in the in the last Ashes game in Sydney. Correct. Um, yes. So he's full of bravado. Um, uh, it's it looks a, it looks a tad green. I mean, I don't know if they shaved the grass off the wicket, but it looks a little bit like it might be a bit lively early on. But let's see. Hmm. I can't understand
0: it. I mean, they should prepare green tops. They should. Sp- I, don't, I don't. understand. That suits their attack. Either. I mean, I didn't. You know, I think I think they. They they spend too much time thinking about the pitches. Honestly, the South Af- the South African think tank. Yeah. Um, I think they did during the India series, and it, it, it almost backfired. Um, they were only happy with one of those pitches in the end. Um, and if they have given the order for slower pitches, it's a strange one because they have arguably, and it's it's arguable, but they've got three. Uh, oh, sorry, they've got four very good pace bowlers um and one you know pretty pretty good spinner yeah uh and i just think you should play to your strengths rather than to what you perceive your opponent's weaknesses to be yeah
1: i agree i mean they've got arguably the best seen bowl in the world and vernon philander right
0: if they get green wickets he's almost big unstoppable Vern. um big Vern. and big Vern is back right he had a good series um kagisa rabada ranks second in the world likes bowling against australia um, the new kid, Lungi Ngidi, who, who was man of the match in his, in his debut test match. Um, and of course, in his last series, we now know, uh, Morkel Morkel definitely going out on top. I mean, he's, he's bowling as well as he's ever done. Uh, I am surprised he's retiring, uh, given his form, but... I guess the lure of a potential colpak contract in county cricket is irresistible. It looks like it really is. Um, so I think
1: what, what is interesting for me is, you know, this is a great fast bowling display on both sides, right? So you have, I think what you have right now is six out of the top 11 test ranked bowlers in the world on show in one match. Of course you've wow. got, yeah. it's, it's mouthwatering, right? You've got Stark on, and Hazelwood and Cummings on one hand versus Philander, Rabada, and Morkel on the other hand. And of course Dale Stain won't play the first test, I don't think. Maybe Ngidi comes in, maybe they bring in five bowlers and, and bat to cock at six. Maybe they bring in another batsman. Whoever bowls the best as a as an attack um will win. And again, if anybody gets those key moments in the game, um but Gio, I mean if if everyone's on song it's gonna be pretty scary out there. I remember the um the the match where I think Michael Clark scored a hundred and Mornay Morkel must have hit him 10 times, I think ended up breaking his um, collarbone. Um, but it was a brutal display of fast bowling, and I think we're going to see a lot of that, which is very exciting in this day and age.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I hope the pitchers don't take the fast bowlers out of the equation too much, because that's what people want to see. Um, now, you mentioned the team composition. We know Australia's team. It's, it's exactly the same one that finished the Ashes. Um, does that surprise you at all? No, it doesn't
1: surprise me at all. I mean, I think it's a pretty strong team. I would say the um, the real question mark in the Australian 11 is, um, I would say it's Cameron Brancroft. Yeah, um it is. it is. You know, they found him out basically in the Ashes series, how to bowl to him. I think he has seriously te- serious technical difficulties. Um, maybe he's gone away and worked on those. I hope he has. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he you know, I wouldn't be surprised at Bancroft. They give him a test or two. If he doesn't do well, they might move Kawaja up to open the batting. Um, Kawaja opened the batting against Africa a couple of years ago and scored 100 in, in a, in a pink ball test in a day-night game. Um,
0: and then who would come in? Who would come in?
1: I think they'll bring in someone left field. I doubt whether they put Hanskim in.
0: They might bring in um, Maxwell. Oh, yes. I mean, it, it's unlikely, is it not, that they'd bring him in if he's not in the squad? I would, I would imagine they'll stick with the squad players.
1: Peter Hanscom looks terrible at the moment. I mean, he, that tour game, he looked like he
0: was playing in a different league. Yeah, it's a worry. Um, but otherwise, Australia looks settled. The bowling looks, looks, you know, very good. You've got Mitchell Stark, who, if I'm not mistaken, hasn't ever really done it against, us, against South Africa. Is that correct?
1: This is his first tour to South Africa. I, I watched some of the, that warm-up game against South Africa A, and he was really firing them in. He... He especially got fired up when they, when he found out that this new guy called Mulder was in the um, squad, and he unleashed a barrage of bounces, and the, the poor guy was like um, crapping himself. I'm sure.
0: Vian Vian Mulder, who's the um, the new all rounder, but he's more of a batsman, really. I think from what I understand. Now, Agent Mulder, Agent Mulder, yeah. I mean, where's Scully? Uh, so the. South African composition is interesting because I, I think, similar to Australia, we'll probably see the team that ended the India series um, with DeKock batting at six and five bowlers. And I have my doubts about the South African batting lineup. You know, I don't think Markram is quite there yet. I think he's a real talent, but he's still quite new in his career. Uh, he didn't have a great series against India. Neither did Elgar, although Elgar at least is a proven performer. Um, Hashim Amla these days blows hot and cold. Um, but, you know, we know he's one of the greats, but it's, he's not the most reliable these days. Then you have A.B. de Villiers, also not reliable, seems to play well for an hour, looks like, a you know, bats like a million dollars and then, then tends to get out.
1: Then he gets bored.
0: Gets bored, who knows? And, and he's injury prone. And I've never been completely convinced by Faf Plessis. I think he's an excellent captain.
1: Well, you're harsher, Arun.
0: I am, yeah. I, I feel like the South African batting lineup, I think they got away with it a little bit against India. And DeKock is hopelessly out of form.
1: I think the feeling is, um, looking at the body language and the, and the result, I, I feel Australia a little bit is in the rising mode or ascending mode. I feel a little bit like South Africa is on the down curve. And this series will find that out, I guess, pretty quickly. And I, I could just be full of full of garbage. But I think that seems to me the feeling. Um,
0: yeah, no, I think, I think, I mean, the bookmakers favor Australia slightly.
1: I saw so. some other ones where South Africa was favored. It's pretty even.
0: I agree. Well, you, but you have, you have your own bookmaker in Mumbai.
1: So That's right. Gonna... The one you introduced me to. <laughs> His name's John.
0: <laughs> An Indian guy named John. Yeah, no, I think that's Shane Warne's bookmaker. Yeah, it probably is. And, and the other thing to bear in mind is if South Africa's batsmen don't fire, then you have to look at who they have on the bench, right? They have two batsmen, but well, three, really. So they have Theodore de Bruyne, who's um, relatively untested. Uh, they have Temba Bavuma, who I think is a very good batsman, but, ha- but has been injured and is, is is too injured, I think, to play at the moment. And then they had the new guy, Vian Mulder, who's a, who's a batting batting all-rounder. Um, so not a lot of strength in depth there either. I think they have depth in the
1: bowling department, but not so much oh, in the yeah. batting, perhaps.
0: They do. They have, they have a lot of depth in bowling. So I... If you were to put a gun to my head, I would suggest that Australia is going to win this series. Uh, and I would say probably... 2-1. Actually, no. What am I saying? I'm going 3-1. I don't think there'll be any draws. Test matches don't get drawn these days.
1: Yeah. I mean, going back, if you look at back some of the stats, there have been some big scores in South Africa, but I think recent history tells you that probably they're not going to be big scores. Um, people are going to struggle to get 400, perhaps. Look, I think, I think I've think i been toing and throwing on this a lot, to be honest. And I just feel maybe Australia on the ascendancy, as I mentioned, Um wow. But it all depends how they bat. I mean, the battings... We talk about the bowling a lot. But really, the concern is that the Australian batting does revolve a lot around Steve Smith and David Warner. If they can somehow get in Steve Smith's head, Africans, then I think we could be in for a a real treat and South Africa might win. If Smith dominates or does well, I think Australia will win easily. You think they might bring up wedding invitations? They might bring up wedding invitations. That kind of thing. And I remember Faf calling... uh, when he batted out that day in Adelaide, I think he called the Australians a pack of, pack of rabid dogs. Um, that's, that's a compliment in Australia. There's no love lost. I think both of them play a similar brand of cricket. We're going to expect a lot of confrontation, I think, on the field. Um, and David Warner's been stirring the pot, uh, as usual. Um, and aside there for David Warner, apparently he wants to be a politician when he retires, which is... Uh, so
0: what do you make of this, Darren? Is he, does he have what it takes?
1: Um, he, he, he's actually been standing up for a lot of things in his local community um, on a council issue. I think he was very visible in the pay, pay dispute with the, um, with the cricket board in Australia. Um, he said that he needs to fix his filter, which I think is right, uh, but who knows? Let's see. He needs, he needs a bit of PR advice. He was quite an inspirational leader during that T20 tri-series. Um, I must say that I was very impressed with him
0: as a leader. You know, there's, there's, some, there's some precedent for cricketers going into politics as well. You know, we've got Imran Khan, who is, um, is, a, you know, is, a, is a presidential contender in Pakistan. Uh, his, his party has done very well. Yeah, I mean, he's not the, the first Australian cricketer I would have picked out as a potential <laughs> political leader. Um, there are probably others, uh, but, you know, why not? I mean, you know, I, I, I'm guessing that uh, Australian politics is pretty rough and tumble, so...
1: I mean, Steve O'Keefe seems more likely to me.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> given the, some, some of the stories coming out of, uh, of Canberra. Yeah. Um, what do we make of Mourney Morkle? I mean, this Colpac issue is continues to bedevil South African cricket. I, I don't believe that Mourney Morkel is... You know, on I mean, he's thirty-three, so there are, he doesn't have that many years left. But he's bowling as well as he's ever bowled. You could argue he's at his peak. He's not just a hit the deck bowler. He's getting success from pitching it up, which has always been the thing that he's struggled with. Um, and yet, it seems clear that he, like many other, I mean, let's let's be honest here, like many other white South African cricketers, has decided that he would pr- rather prioritise. I think the security of an english county contract and, and presumably a bbl contract over playing international cricket and it's a problem right they're losing good players i mean kyle abbott was the was the big one that they lost previously
1: yeah i mean it goes to the it speaks to the bigger picture of cricket in general right i mean cricket is a very weird game where most of the games that are televised and engaged in are international matches most other sports whether it be football rugby whatever it is based on franchises or clubs or local sports and and the internationals are rare. So, you know, those players, whether they're golfers, tennis players, they always gravitate to where they're, they can build their career and earn fame and fortune. Right. Um, And so why would cricketers be any different? So I I think it's almost like we're going through the first professional period of cricket, which is almost up. If you look at the advent of T20, you know, cricketers are really only professional from the seventies onwards in any real fashion. Right. Um, And now it's really about the age of professional cricketers. And I think that is the right way to go. You see a lot of discussion with, you know, Owen Morgan, Butler, right? These guys talking about the future is T20. Because let's be honest, T20 is the world game. S match cricket will never be a world game. It will be part of our sport, which is great. We've got to preserve that. But T20 has the potential to be perhaps the second biggest World Cup after football in the world, Right. And that's yeah, what we need man. to build towards. I think we just need to acknowledge that. And so players will go where they can earn fame and fortune. And the reality is that with the rise of India and the IPL, um, South Africans just can't afford their players, right? Um, so I don't blame these guys for going and earning a buck. Now, going back to T20, if they work it if they, if they what they do and play for these franchises and they had more limited T20 matches, why wouldn't they go back and play T20 for their, for their, uh, for their home country? But I think the, the Red, Bull, Red Bull cricket is in a bit of a state of crisis at the moment. And I don't blame these players for going and seeking security and riches.
0: Yeah, you could never hold it against them. Um, but I just think there's so much money sloshing around international cricket. There has to be a way to secure these players' Um, in terms of playing test cricket for their countries, in a way that's financially sustainable for everyone,
1: I think it's just economics. It's a business, right? I mean, if you look at any other sport, people don't, you know, use use funds from a sport to, to kind of subsidize another area of the sport. I think it just it's it's a difficult proposition. I think either you embrace the future, and we can see the future happening right now, or you try to fight against it and dig your heels. and I I think you have to embrace it to a degree. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, sure. I mean, South Africa needs to probably build up their, their you know, the, the revenue they make out of the game and try to drive red ball cricket. I think it's less uh-huh. a less lesser a concern for South Africa than it is for, like, the West Indies, for example, or Pakistan, right, where the players can make a lot more money overseas. So I think it's an issue for the game in general, and I think a long, hard look is needed at the future of cricket, right? It, it's kind of a weird anomaly, right? And, and within that, it's all international sport. Um, it's kind of interesting, isn't it?
0: I yeah I mean I think on the one hand I feel you are right but I think if we if we give in to market forces which is kind of what you're saying we won't have test cricket that's what concerns me even the the um you know I I think the ashes attendance numbers were good but you kind of worry about test cricket in many countries and I f- I don't know if if test cricket isn't subsidized I really do worry about its future. I mean, you've seen just this week uh, a number of England players uh, rejecting not just Test cricket, but first-class county cricket, right? Adil Rashid is giving up, giving up on Red Bull cricket. Um, so is Alex Hales. And, you know, Owen Morgan has talked very openly about how he doesn't think Test cricket has has a great future. You know, he hasn't played... Uh, he hasn't played a, a match longer than 50 overs for years. Good, good. And, you know, good for him.
1: Um, I, think, I think, you know, obviously Test Match Cricket is the ultimate test in cricket. It really is. Um, it's thrilling. That's why we're so excited about the South Africa-Australia series coming up. But I, I think long term, I do worry that, you know, I think it would only be the sort of top four or five, maybe even six nations that continue playing Test Cricket. I just think it's difficult yeah. to fund those other countries. I just think the way it is now, unless something drastic
0: happens. I think um, so. In India, that you know, there's suggestions. I think they're trying to adopt the four-day test, the day-night test, all this kind of stuff. I'm not sure any of that is enough. I mean, I think it's 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 good and it's helpful, um, but Test cricket, you could argue, is on life support now. Uh, and it, it is it is worrying if you look at the ashes series, for example, in Australia or England, they sell out
1: um, uh, uh, when South Africans tour australia they they get good crowds when
0: India tours australia there are good crowds um, but but apart from that i mean from that well england england 's chess matches in England um, tend to sell out tend to sell out even even if it 's um, mid table opposition, they still tend to sell out um, so for whatever reason England Kind of seems to still get good, good test match crowds, much smaller grounds. have to bear that in mind. Yeah. I mean Lords is what 25, 30,000. Um, so that's a, a long way away from the MCG or whatever. Um, but you know you're, you're seeing it you're seeing it every day now. I mean it's remarkable. I think last week there were three story, three separate stories from England about players who were turning their back on long form cricket. And part of this is also down to the way that long-form cricket has just been deprioritized, if that's a word. You know, in England now, they play the longer matches, the county matches, at the beginning and at the end of the season so that the short-format cricket gets the middle, you know, gets the best conditions. And if you're a spinner like Adol Rashid, you don't want to play at the beginning or the end of the season, right? At the beginning, it's really damp. You're not going to get any wickets. It's terrible for spinners. Right, you you don't you never want to bowl in April and May. That's
1: um, true, and I, I think they, they're going the same way in Australia. that I hear as well. They they used to start off with the one day series first, then start the Sheffield Shield. Now it seems like they're going to start with uh, the Sheffield Shield first, then then that'll sort of bookend the season. Right, they'll um, put the one day one day one day first class one day series and the big bash in the middle there as well. Um, yeah, and this year I, I know that next year. India is touring and they're going to be touring later. So the test will start in January, I believe, in uh, 2019. So it's okay. a big summer as well. Um, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it. It's just like it's a struggle to get anybody to watch the, the first, first class cricket in Australia, for example. Right. They have free live streams on the Cricket Australia app, which anyone can download for free, which I recommend. It's quite interesting. But you can watch all those for free. But I mean there's nobody ever at the ground and hardly uh. anybody watches it. You sort of look at it on your phone, all the scores, but you don't really pay that much attention to it.
0: Oh well, yeah, it's a real problem. And it's it's interesting because there are people now who suggest that playing IPL is a better preparation for international cricket than playing county cricket. Only because you know, you're exposed to more pressure and, and bigger crowds and so on. Whereas in county cricket you're really in this this kind of safe cocoon where you've got, like, a few old men and dogs who've been coming to the ground for 50 years. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I mean, well, you do in some cases. You still do have, I mean, I remember when... Well, I remember when Kim Barnett was playing for Derbyshire and he was in his 50s, I think. I mean, it's it's great. You know, you still have that. And whereas in the IPL, you know, and things like that, you can't really get away with... with, um, with that kind of a system anymore. So it it is real flux. Um, back to Morne Monkle, though. I mean, we should say he's on 294 test wickets. Would be amazing if he got to 300 in this series. He is the fifth overall for South Africa. You know, he's had a tremendous career, I think. And um, he's never been the best South African bowler. So I think that's why he's he's kind of been underrated. He's either been, you know, behind... Sean Pollock or Dale Stane or, or, or now Kigiso Rabada. But, you know, he's been a brilliant number two, really. So, um, fair play to him. And, and he's got a very good average as well, which I think people sometimes overlook.
1: I think he's a brilliant bowler. I, I, I mentioned that spell against Clark before, and he's really, um, really picked up his pace. And I, I think he's going to go hell for leather, this being his last series. Mm. SA, he's going to go bust or boom in this series. So, I can expect a lot of fire from him in this series, which. Um, I'm super excited about. Can't wait yeah. till it starts. Yeah, we did want to talk a little bit about the return of Mr. Ben Stokes.
0: Yeah, so he, uh, he won the match, I think, yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. He more or less
1: did, yeah. Um, he, he looked pretty good in the first, the first match, to be honest, and he picked up a couple of wickets um, in the second match. He stemmed the floor runs a little bit and then scored a 60-odd with the bat, not out. So Ben's back, baby, Ben's back. I mean, if, yeah. if if you're that's actually an interesting series going on right now. So it's a five ODI series followed by two tests, and it's now one all in the ODI series. The first match was was amazing. Um, it was yes. Mitchell Santner? Who would have thunk it? He scored fifty odd off twenty odd balls and uh, won the game for New Zealand. But that was a great match. I sort of watched bits and pieces of it, but it's seesawed. It was a great one-day game. Every five overs or ten overs, the momentum changed, and you weren't sure who was who was on top. Um, And it was great that they got over the the line at the end, New Zealand, to start the uh, series off. So, one all, um, and a good series coming up there, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, we should say New Zealand have been playing very well at home uh, this summer, particularly in limited overs cricket.
1: And Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if they win a test series either, or it's one all or something like that.
0: In particular, you know, their bowlers, Trent Bolt, uh, among them, are, are, are doing a very good job. Uh, And that will translate to test cricket, I'm sure. Um, And they've got a pretty good combination, New Zealand. You know, Kane Williamson, although I I think he's got an injury worry now. Um, uh, Martin Guptill continues. He's very consistent. Um, And then they've got, you know, a a, a number of bowlers capable of getting movement on those tracks and getting wickets. Um, So... A dark horse, as always, New Zealand, for the next World Cup, I would suggest.
1: Yeah, I mean, T20s and one-days are always there and thereabouts. Um, right. Just when they travel on in tests, they don't particularly do very well. But uh, again, I mean, they're in danger, obviously, of going white ball only, right? There's also talk now about perhaps having a one or two New Zealand teams in the BBL. That would be a great idea, I think. Um, uh, and, it, and it sort of goes back, you know, we talked about this some stage... We're talking about you know regional kind of T Twenty leagues it make a lot of sense to me.
0: I think it would be great in India if we could have not just Sri Lankan teams but Pakistani teams in the IPL. I mean, I think it would be great if we could have Pakistani players in the IPL. And I think it's a honestly, it's a disgrace that they're not allowed to play in that tournament for for political political reasons. It's uh, it's not not great and. You talk about the problems facing test cricket, I mean, these are the problems that face cricket in general.
1: <laughs> I mean, the political issue with, with, with Pakistan and India is really a problem. It's a problem for the punter, right? Um, for the audience. People want to see Pakistan players playing in the IPL, and they're denied at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a real shame because the players get along really well. The two countries have far more in common than than they don't, and... Whenever they play together, it's always great, right? I mean, we, we saw that in the Champions League final last year. Um, you know, a stirring win for Pakistan. Uh, and also, more importantly, I think the most important issue here, this is terrible for the livelihood of Pakistani players. Uh, if you're a cricketer, you need to be able to earn money. And the IPL is the, the best gig in world cricket. It really is at the moment. And there are at least five or six Pakistani players who would attract high bids in the IPL. If not more. If not more, right. Um, and it's a shame, it's a shame, you're right. It's a shame for fans, it's a shame for players. I actually think it's a shame for the administration and for politicians because I think it would it will help relations between the two countries. Um, but this is where we're at today, sadly, very sad. Yeah, and I... I you know, I, I don't think we will see much progress on that issue for, for quite a while. I do think the boards are somewhat keen, but, but they, are, they are under kind of a, a political deadlock. Um, so not much we can say about that. Okay, so we look forward to South Africa, Australia. Uh, we'll be back with um, a review of the first test next week. Let the fast bowling barrage begin. Indeed. Um, Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back shortly.